Hello and welcome to Harlan First and Monroe Chapel United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you with us today. We are continuing our look at the Lord's Prayer. We've been looking at this iconic prayer for several weeks now. It's iconic because, not only because we say it a lot in church, but also because it covers all of the things that we need to pray about. Especially as we've looked at unpacking some of these phrases, we've learned that it means a lot to a lot of people. And it was the example given by Jesus of how we should pray. So it makes sense that we would want to pay attention uh, to this prayer. Now, as we think about the Lord's Prayer, we are on the phrase that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're getting close to the end here. And when we talk about this phrase, lead us not into temptation, we have to acknowledge that this phrase is somewhat controversial for people. It may be hard to believe that it would be, but it actually is, theologically, to believe that God would lead us into temptation, that God would somehow put something in our way to trip us up on purpose. And so, as we think about this phrase, back in June of this year, the Pope actually approved a change to the Lord's Prayer. He approved this change so that instead of saying, lead us not into temptation, it would say, let us not fall into temptation. Do you see the difference there? The difference is that that we're not saying that God leads us into temptation, but that we can fall into temptation. Now, obviously, not all faith groups have adopted that phrasing. You know, we still use the old phrasing of lead us not into temptation. But when you are praying the prayer, of course, you don't have to take it literally. We don't believe that God actually leads us into temptation. Now, there are some Bible stories that can lead us to believe that he does. The most well-known one would be when Jesus was in the wilderness. And sometimes we say that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. But even that is misleading. You see, Jesus was not in the wilderness so that he could be tempted. He actually went into the wilderness for a different purpose. The Bible says he went into the wilderness to fast and to pray. So temptation was not his goal. His goal was connect to his Father through fasting and prayer. And it says that he prayed and fasted for 40 days. Now, of course, whenever you see 40 days, you have to think to yourself, not literal. In other words, it wasn't 40 days, but it was a period of time, a lengthy period of time. Interesting fact is that some people have actually fasted for 40 days. It is possible, but I certainly wouldn't recommend it because if you're not dead, you're going to be near death by that point. But it says Jesus spent a period of time fasting and praying, and then he was tempted. But even then, he wasn't tempted by God. He was tempted by the accuser the Satan. So God does not tempt people. In James chapter 1 verse 13, it states that when we are tempted, we should not say that God has tempted us because God does not tempt anyone. So case closed. God does not tempt us. So, but as we think about this phrase, lead us not into temptation, the phrase itself refers to temptations to do the wrong thing, temptations to sin. It's not about being tempted to eat a second cookie. You know, it's about being tempted to sin, to go off the path of God. 
And so we are all tempted from time to time, all of us. I mean, just look at the Bible, you know, whether you look at Adam and Eve or King David or King Solomon or even Jesus, you will see that all of these people were tempted. And if Jesus was tempted, we will certainly be tempted as well. Now, Jesus was tempted but did not sin. He's the only one like that, however. Everybody else, at one time or another, sins. And so when we think about that, when people fall into sin or commit sin, there are two responses, rather extreme responses that we make. The first response is to just kind of say, oh well, and just resign ourselves to the idea that we are sinners, we're sinful, so we're just going to sin. There's nothing we can do about it. And so we don't even work on repenting or turning away from our sin. Instead, we just resign ourselves to the fact that it's the way it is. So that's one extreme, and it's not a good one because God doesn't want us to live in sin. Sin is not good for us, and it's not of God. And so that's one extreme response. But the other response is also extreme, and that is to beat yourself up over it. You get so mad and angry at yourself, you almost start hating yourself. And that's not good either because God doesn't hate you. Even when you sin, God doesn't hate you, so there's no reason to hate yourself. So both of these responses are not very helpful, but what we do when we commit sin, when we when we fall to temptation, is that we pick ourselves up and we seek to repent, which again means to turn away, to turn away from the sin. You know, we have victory over sin through Jesus Christ, and so we ought not to live in sin any longer. But of course, that's not to say that we are going to be perfect, right? But it does say that we work on it. We work on removing sin from our lives so that we can become more like Christ. So that's kind of how that works. We don't beat ourselves up, but we also don't resign ourselves to the fact that this is how we're always going to be. We work towards holiness. In other words, we work towards removing sin from our lives. So when we say lead us not into temptation, what we are saying is, God, help show me the way out of it. Because that's what God does. God doesn't lead us into temptation, but he always provides a way out. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that we are not tested with anything that is not common to humankind. And every time we are tested, God provides a way out. So some translations will say tested, some will say tempted. It basically means the same thing. This is also the Bible passage where people get the idea that God will not give them more than they can handle, which is not anywhere in the Bible, nor is it true if you observe human life. But this is talking about temptation or testing and says that when we are tempted, there's always a way out. And so we don't always see the way out or we don't always take it, but there is always a way out. And so we want to seek to repent when that happens. So that's lead us not into temptation. Now, the rest of the phrase is deliver us from evil. Depending on how you look at it, you could look at that as as being one phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In that case, evil and temptation are equated. They're the same thing. But oftentimes when we think of evil, we think of something other than temptation. Usually when we think of evil, we think of things that are more diabolical or darker. 
uh, than something we might be tempted by. And so in the original wording, and in some traditions of the church, the wording is actually deliver us from the evil one, again referring to the accuser or the Satan. Now in our tradition, in many traditions, they simply say deliver us from evil in order to acknowledge that evil manifests itself in many different forms and many different ways, and we are quite capable of great evil on our own without the help of a Satan figure. And so we say deliver us from evil, we mean in all forms. But here's the thing. When we pray this prayer, does it mean that God is always going to take us away from evil? Does it mean that we are going to be able to avoid evil or suffering or loss or trials in life? No, by no means. Because suffering and loss and evil are a part of daily human existence. Uh, no different than temptations. We can pray that God would not lead us into temptation, and that's great and all, but it doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. So temptation and evil, th th those are realities in life. And so we pray for deliverance, but it doesn't always happen. Our scripture reading for this sermon was Psalm 143. And in this psalm, the author prays for deliverance from his enemies. And of course, in the psalms, usually they were literally talking about enemies, people that wanted to kill them or hurt them. And so he prays for deliverance from them. He prays that they would die. Now, do we think that all of a sudden his enemies were all gone after he prayed this prayer? Of course not. He still had to deal with them. And sometimes we are delivered from evil. In other words, sometimes the, the trial is taken away from us. But what about those times when the trial is not taken away? You know, what about that scary diagnosis that you receive? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when you have a loved one who's sick? You know, we can pray for deliverance from these things, and that's great when that happens, but what do we do when it doesn't happen? We've heard it said so many times that 2020 is a unique year, and it certainly is. It certainly has its share of troubles. COVID is a problem for everyone, even those who don't want to acknowledge that it is. But nonetheless, we also want to acknowledge the fact that for many people, COVID might not be the number one problem in their lives right now. There might be something that's more pertinent or more urgent or, or more difficult for them in their own personal life uh, that they're dealing with. And they may pray, Lord, deliver me from this evil. But again, what do we do when we are not delivered from the evil? How do we respond then? Well, it might be helpful to think of deliverance in a different way in that case. So when we pray for deliverance from evil, but, but it's not going to be taken away from us, then we can think of deliverance as what it looks like when God leads us through the difficult time. You know, knowing that we're not alone, knowing that God is with us as we go through that trial or that testing or that temptation helps us to know that we have more than what we have inside ourselves to help us along the way. In other words, we are not just working according to our own will, but we are also working according to the grace and power of Jesus Christ. And so when we say deliver us from evil, 
but we are still going through it. You know, we might pray that prayer, but we might still have a scary diagnosis. We might still have a relative who's sick. We might still have all the problems that we're thinking of. And when that happens, we can pray, deliver us from evil. In other words, God, if this thing's not going to just poof, go away, then walk with me through this time. And so we know that whatever may come in our lives, whether it be temptation or evil, trials, sickness, difficulties, whatever it might be, we know that God is with us. Amen. God bless and have a great week.